the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We continue on with our homily series this summer on the Apostles' Creed. If you haven't been with us, if you're visiting, we've gone through the creed up until last week. We talked about suffered under Pontius Pilate. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried, and he descended into hell. So we talked about the suffering, right? the burial of Jesus. Today, we move on to the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, the resurrection. Last week was the suffering and death. This week is the resurrection. There are two different types of vacationers. There's the type of people who like to go on vacation and sleep in. Maybe rest a little. Don't wake up too early. And then there's the people like me who I want to be up when I'm on vacation. I want to be up when before the sun rises. If I'm on a golf trip, I want to see the mowers mowing the grass. If I'm on the beach, I want to watch the sunrise with a cup of coffee. If I'm on a pilgrimage, I want to pray in those holy places before any of the random tourists have their cameras out and their fanny packs chingling with change in their fanny packs. I want to be there. I do this when I go to St. Peter's. If you've ever been on pilgrimage to St. Peter's or you will go, I suggest that you wake up early. Go to the Basilica before anyone else is there, like tourist wise, and you'll see masses being said. It will be almost empty and a mass at each altar, a priest saying mass for his pilgrimage. I also did it when I went to the Holy Land. When I went to the sepulcher, the church that houses Mount Calvary and also the tomb where Jesus rose, it opens up at 4 a.m. I woke up at 3.30. It was me, another seminarian, and one Greek Orthodox lady. That's the only people in the church. I got to kneel on Mount Calvary by myself and then walk the short distance down to the tomb. And when I got to that tomb by myself, something struck me. A little weird. I just kept thinking, this is a place. I had just put in my Waze app, like, take me to the tomb of Jesus. Like, what is this? Take, take me to the Holy Sepulchre. It's got a longitude and a latitude. It's a place. It's real. It's not a myth. It's not just a story. We know it from the Gospels, and I'm going to use particularly when I'm talking about the resurrection today, I'm going to use the Gospel of St. John because it focuses on Mary Magdalene's experience. Her feast day was two days ago, and we're going to learn about the resurrection. What do we believe as Catholics about that moment? On the first day of the week, St. John says, first, the first day of the week, what does that mean? It doesn't mean Monday. We think of first day of the week as Monday because we're on like an economic uh, cycle. We're like, yeah, first day of my work week. But no, truly the first day of the week is Sunday, right? The day of the Lord, the Lord's day. He was crucified on Friday, day one. He was in the tomb all Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath. So they couldn't uh, bury his body or put the spices and the oils on his body that needed. So that's day two. And then, he, and then she shows up. On day three, 
Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early in the morning. See, she woke up too. (laughs) Early in the morning before the sun rose. It says while it was still dark and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them they have taken the Lord from the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So at first she doesn't believe she doesn't see the empty tomb and say, oh, Jesus rose from the dead. She thinks somebody took him. And that's against what Jesus had even prophesied. If you remember, Jesus told the apostles, told the disciples, told Mary Magdalene, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer, die. I'm going to be buried. And in three days, I'm going to rise from the dead. He actually told them that. And when she saw the empty tomb, she still didn't believe. Mary stayed outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken my Lord and I don't know where they laid him. Again, she believes that Jesus body was taken by something or someone. This has sometimes been the argument for skeptics, particularly modern skeptics. They say, oh, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. His body was just taken by somebody. Let's look deeper into that. If his body was taken by the Jews or the Romans, then when Christianity started gaining traction, when Christianity started growing, if they wanted to destroy Christianity, which they proved they did, then why not just provide the body of Jesus that they took and said, hey, guess what? He didn't rise from the dead. They didn't do that because they didn't have his body. If the apostles had taken his body to try to lie, to try to come up with a ruse, right? A myth. Then the Jews and the Romans who wanted to destroy the church, they would have found the body. And yet there hasn't been one legitimate, like scientifically legitimate historical account of somebody trying to claim that this is Jesus's body. Nothing. All they have is this empty tomb. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but did not know it was Jesus. This is important as we as Catholics, what do we believe about the resurrection and the resurrected body that we will receive bodies, but there's something different about them, right? His body is real and physical. Jesus ate breakfast. He cooked breakfast on the shore of Galilee. Remember, he asked for fish so he could show them that, hey, I have a real body. He, he let Thomas place his hand in his side. So it's physical. It's not just an apparition. It's not just a vision. And yet there's something different because his disciples often don't recognize him. And he can like show up in locked rooms and he can be at different places like really quick. So there's something miraculous and something different about the physical body of Jesus after the resurrection. And yet it's still physical. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener and said to him, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you laid him and I will take him. We sometimes blow over the gardener part. She thought it was the gardener. Guess what? It was the gardener. You know who the first gardener was? Adam. He's in a garden, Eden. God told Adam to till and keep it, be the gardener. And he failed by the the fall of the first gardener. We all fall. We all have concupiscence. We're all prone to sin because of the failure of that first gardener. And who is the new Adam? Who is the new gardener? Jesus, 
Where did he start his passion? In the garden of Gethsemane. The, the garden of the pressed olives as he, as he sweat blood out of himself. And then where was he laid in the tomb? John says it right before what we're reading right now. It says, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb where no one had been laid was Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, as the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So he was the new gardener that redeems the fall of the first. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Roboni, which means teacher. So Mary did not recognize Jesus until she heard her name. They're on a first name basis. He didn't say, Mrs. Magdalene. <laughs> no. He said, Mary, I know you. See, we recognize Jesus in the uh, resurrection accounts, different people. There's three places where people didn't recognize Jesus and then they recognize them. What what caused that recognition is three P's. The first is personal relationship. Mary, first name basis. You know me. I know you. We recognize the Lord. The second is power. Uh, They were in the boat and Jesus was on the shore and they didn't recognize him. And then he said, hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat, reminding them of his power, his miracle. And they say, oh, it's the Lord. And the third was his presence, particularly in the blessed sacrament on the road to Emmaus. The two disciples didn't recognize Jesus. It's him. They don't recognize him until what? Until the breaking of the bread, until the presence That's where we recognize the Lord. Jesus said to her, stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brothers and tell them I am going to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and then reported what he told her. This gives us our title for Mary, one of the most beautiful titles for Mary Magdalene. It's Apostola Apostolorum. The apostle to the apostles. Mary is called the apostle to the apostles because the apostles job is to go spread all over the world and bring the gospel. Right. Found churches. Andrew ends up in uh, Constantinople. Uh, James ends up in Spain. Thomas ends up in India. Right. The other James stays in Jerusalem. He's the bishop there. Their job is to spread it. But how did they hear about it first? Mary. This actually proves or disproves one of the critiques, modern critiques of atheists who try to refute the resurrection. They say, oh, it's just a myth. The apostles made it up. Well, if you're going to make up a myth, why place the first witness of the resurrection on the lips of someone who is not legally a witness? In the ancient world, women's witness was not counted, was not respected. In the ancient world, you know, it's funny. This is a side. It's funny that people believe or they profess. They say, oh, the Christian church, particularly the Catholic church is sexist. They oppress women. And yet our most our highest saint is who? Mary, mother of God. Mary of Magdala, the first one who recognized Jesus was accepted her, her account. And then the only people at the at the cross were John, the teenager, and his mother and the other Marys, right? The women saints are actually held up and presented 
and respected. Jesus really rose in a real place that you can visit. You can go kneel in it. He rose with a physical body, as we hear in Scripture. And this is the historical accountant, but someone might say, and I can hear it in my head, and you might have heard it before, what if I don't believe in the Bible? What if, what if I think they made it up? What if I think they lied? And these are really the only first-hand accounts of the resurrection because it's the people who saw Jesus resurrected and they were writing scripture. But what if I think they lied? My answer to someone who asked this question is this. Why would they make it up? People lie about things to get some benefit for themselves. Actually, ask yourself this question. Why do you lie? Because <laughs> we all lie sometimes. We all have. Why do you lie? It's to get something or to get out of something. Right? We lie for wealth. We cheat on our taxes so we can get more money. We lie for prestige. Like even the little white lies, wherever you know, someone says, oh yeah, have you seen that movie? And you're like, yeah, I saw that movie. You didn't see that movie. But you, for some reason, you want this person to think you saw that movie. We lie to live, to get out of something so that we can have more life or what we think is more life. Well, the apostles in the early church, by proclaiming the resurrection, did they get more wealth? No, they got beat. The apostles, did they get more prestige from their supposed lie? No, they got persecuted. First 300 years of Christianity was persecution. Did they get more life? Did they get out of something by lying, supposedly? No, in fact, they got into something. They got killed. 11 of the first 12 apostles were martyred, or 10 of them. Paul himself died by the sword because he was a Roman citizen. Paul, who proclaimed the resurrection, if he was lying, why would he lie? You don't die for a lie. No, they believed it. They wrote about it. And because of their belief, because of their belief in the resurrection, because they lived out their faith, they received martyrdom. I think we might be getting to a point in history where we're going back to that moment. Maybe not physical martyrdom, but to a place where, you know, being a Christian does not give us wealth. It might take our job. Being an actual Catholic does not give us prestige. No, we might lose everything. No, it used to be that uh, if you were a Christian, this is during Christendom, right? You, you were a Christian after the Roman Empire had become Christian. And so it was a good thing. You got stuff. You got prestige. Even up to 60 years ago, it was like, I, I, had, we have, had we had a president that has not been a Christian? Have we had an atheist president? No, because it was a good thing to be a Christian. My question is now, if we have someone who actually lives their faith, who actually professes all of the Catholic faith, think they're gonna be elected? No. Because belief and 
actual living of your faith, like the apostles, will not bring you wealth anymore, will not bring you prestige, won't bring you more physical life here. What will it bring you? Maybe martyrdom, but it will bring you resurrection. That's what Jesus promised us, not wealth, not prestige, not physical life. He promised us an empty tomb, an open grave, a resurrection, a new body.